In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus has a secret. Last week, we watched him cast a demon out of a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath. When brought out of the man, the demon looks Jesus in the eye and says, I know who you are. But Jesus rebukes the demon and casts him out and commands him to be silent. A crowd forms and marvels at Jesus' authority. Today, we pick up Jesus' story later that same afternoon. He leaves the synagogue and heads straight for the home of Simon and Andrew. There, he meets Simon's mother-in-law, who lies in bed, sick with a fever, an ailment which, in the first century, could be life or death. The God of the universe stands in her bedroom, and all he must do is take her by the hand and raise her up, and she is healed. Simon's mother-in-law is astounded, and in joyful gratitude, she immediately sets to work serving Jesus. Word spreads throughout the town, and by nightfall, the whole city has gathered together outside the door, waiting for their sick, for their dying, for their suffering to be healed by this man. Again, demons stand by, ready to tell the crowd exactly who he is. Again, Jesus commands them to keep silent. But why? What is so wrong, so insidious, about telling people who Jesus really is? Why doesn't Jesus want the crowd to know? They have seen him work miracles. They know that he can set them free from the bonds of their ailments. Why not tell them that he is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one for whom they have been waiting? In time, not only demons, but even the disciples will come to recognize Jesus and see him as he truly is. But Jesus will command even his disciples, even his friends, to remain silent and tell no one. But doesn't that seem nonsensical? This is, after all, the one who commanded us to become fishers of men, to go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all people. Why then does he command his followers to keep silent? Well, throughout Mark's gospel, no human being truly understands who Jesus is. His disciples in time can identify him, but they do not understand him. When Jesus returns home to Nazareth, he teaches in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and his home congregation neither trusts nor believes the wisdom he preaches. The Jewish leaders believe him to be possessed by the devil. How else could he cast out demons? Even his family, 
His mother and his brothers try to silence him for fear that he has lost his mind. In spite of his miracles, in spite of his parables, in spite of his astounding grace, no one understands him until they stand on that dark Friday morning at the foot of the cross and watch him lay down his life for them. As Jesus utters a loud cry and breathes his last, it is the centurion who killed him, a pagan who looks up in awe and says, truly, this man was the Son of God. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus is only understood as he lays down his life for the world on the cross. And we can only understand this strange, confusing, unexpected Messiah when we come to see how he gives his life for us in love, how he serves us, even unto death, in order to set us free from the bondage of our sins so that we might live with him forever. If he had told us, we never would have believed him. If he had explained it to us, we never could have understood him. If perhaps he had told us, we might have even tried to stop him from dying for us on the cross. We had to see him hanging there in order to begin to grasp God's love for us, which truly surpasses all human understanding. And if we wish to make him known, if we wish to spread the good news of God in Christ, if we wish to tell the world what God has done for them without confusion, without misunderstanding, without getting lost in translation, the best way, the clearest way, the most effective way to preach the gospel is to do for others as Christ has done for you by laying down your life in loving service and in joyful gratitude. Simon Peter's mother-in-law seems to understand this instinctually. The moment Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, she immediately serves him. She seems to know that there are no words big enough, strong enough, great enough to thank him. Her best witness, her best testimony, her best act of gratitude is to serve him. It was true for Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and it is true for us. We, too, have been healed of a spiritual sickness. We, too, have been liberated from the bondage of sin. We have been forgiven, and our souls, which were once sick with sin, have been made well. And because we have been made well, we have been set free. We are free. Free from the bondage of sin, from the traps of shame, from the fear of faltering. We 
are free. We are no longer bound to dwell on the wrongs we have done and on the wrongs which have been done to us. We are no longer stuck in the past. We are free to look into the future and to imagine with hopeful joy what it might hold, free to listen to the voice of the one who calls us from the shores of the Sea of Galilee, free to serve God without fear, without anxiety, without reservation. And this is how we spread the gospel. This is how we build up the body of Christ. Our future will be forged in gratitude for all that God has done for us. A gratitude made manifest in our loving service, both to those outside our walls, packing food for hungry children across our city, feeding hungry children in Belize, supporting girls orphaned by AIDS in Kenya, and by serving those inside our own community, visiting one another when we are sick in the hospital, bringing the sacrament to a member of our parish family who is homebound and cannot join us at church, introducing ourselves to visitors and newcomers, yes, and also perhaps to someone whom you recognize but have not yet spoken to. God has worked a miracle in your life. God has healed you of sin, which is the greatest illness any of us can ever know. God has set you free to preach the gospel with your life in loving, grateful, joyful service. And when we understand this, not just intellectually, but somatically and spiritually, we will be so grateful for the liberty which God has given to us that we won't be able to stop ourselves from serving him with all that we are and all that we have. And everyone who sees you, everyone who catches a glimpse of that joyful freedom, everyone who is touched, by your boundless service, will see Jesus clearly, without confusion, without misunderstanding. They will see Jesus reaching out to them in love. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, 